Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! Today as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, uh, this is a very special and powerful uh, event uh, in our Christian life. Of course, every week uh, we, we preach about Jesus's, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, defeat of death, you know, through the cross and His resurrection, you know, every, every week we do that. But, but today, especially, we want to focus in, we want to zoom in and we want to remember and we want to celebrate that. And, and this is so important because, you know, for us as Christians, friends, let me be frank, you know, if Jesus didn't rose from the grave, then I, I love you, but we are dumb. We are done. Like, if Jesus didn't raise, rose from the grave, what are we doing? What are we doing, you know, giving up our Sundays? What are we doing, giving up our finances? If all this is fake, uh, then, you know, then woe is us. And, and, and you know, the, the, the dumbest people will probably be myself and, and Pastor Cat, you know, because we, we, we gave up, you know, uh, you know, our careers uh, uh, to leave Malaysia, to come here, to build God's house. And, but I want to tell you, friends, it is not done. Uh, friends, I want to tell you that, that, that in Jesus and through Jesus, there is true hope. Hope that you can depend on. Hope that you can believe in. Hope that can change your life. Amen? And so, if the resurrection did happen, friends, then I want you to know it makes all the difference, not just a spiritual difference, but it's going to transform our societies, it's going to transform us emotionally, and it's going to transform and change us eternally. Amen? And so that's why I want us to, 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 to look at today. Originally, I was planning to preach another message, and I was prepping it, I was locking it in by Friday, and then the Lord says that, no, that's a good one, but that's not the trajectory I want, you, I want you to preach on this instead. And so today's word, I pray uh, that you will have an ear to hear. You know, if it's a little bit all over the place, I apologize. It just means that it's really fresh bread, fresh out of the oven. But I pray that God will give you a soft heart to understand and a mind that is alert to receive it. If you're taking down notes, uh, the title of my message today is called The Hope of Resurrection. The hope of resurrection. Not only do we believe that Jesus defeated death and sin and evil on the cross, but we believe that He rose again three days later and that makes all the difference. Now, don't take my word for it. Of course, there are lots of experts in the world and, 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 and you can, in fact, uh, go to libraries and universities and it is said that the, the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus is one of the most his documented historical events. And there are a lot of resources in libraries and even internet and books out there that you can buy. And, and this is the truth. Uh, even people who don't believe in Jesus uh, cannot deny that the tomb is empty. And, 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 and what I want us to discover or rediscover again is that I want us to look at Scripture and, 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 and I want us to see that even if we come to God's Word in good faith, with openness. We can even see uh, the truth present itself uh, in the Word of God. And that's what I want 
to do for us today, I want to uh, lead us to relook at Jesus' death and resurrection, and then we want to talk about how that changes us socially, how that changes us emotionally, and how that changes us eternally, forevermore. Amen? And so if you're uh, taking down notes, I want you to turn with me to the main two passages of Scripture that we will be looking at will be from Mark chapter 15, verse 37 to 47, and then we will continue on with Mark chapter 16, verse 1 to 7. There's a lot of scripture that we can go to today, but today I just want to focus in on this particular account of the Gospels. The Gospel of Mark is the shortest of all four Gospels, the most action-packed. Uh, but, you know, despite its shorter length, it is also very loaded. And that's what we want to look at it verse by verse. Amen? And so, if you have your Bibles, no, feel free to turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, God bless you, it's okay. Uh, that's what technology is for, and we will have it flash up on the screen. Uh, but before that, would you allow me to just pray for all of us to receive God's Word. God, we thank you uh, that you love us. We thank you that you died on the cross for our mistakes and you rose again for our victory. I thank you, Lord, that today we can come to you, Lord, as we are and we can receive your grace and your mercy. And God, I just want to commit this time, even as we are about to open up your word, we say this morning, we want to hear from you and you alone. So let every verse, let every word, let every letter jump out of the pages of our Bibles and let it leap straight into our hearts. Lord, today we're not here for entertainment or information. Today we desire transformation, Lord, that only you can give. Would you change us from the inside out? Purify my lips, Lord, as I deliver your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Mark chapter 15, verse 37 uh, to 47 reads like this. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Then the veil of the temple, so back then in Israel, there was this very holy temple and there was a veil, a very big, think of a, a very huge uh, 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 fabric, a very huge kind of like carpet-like uh, 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 object that separated the most holy part of the temple with the rest of the temple. It was called the veil. And when Jesus died, the veil of the temple, supernaturally and by itself, was torn in two. And the gospel says, from the top to the bottom. Amen? And it was as if it was from heaven, it was torn from top to bottom. It was as if God was the one that tore it, you know, removing the separation uh, 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 from, from, from us again. And so, when the centurion who stood opposite Jesus on the cross saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. There were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the last of little James, and of Joseph and Salome, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Now when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, which means the day before the Sabbath, that's the, that's the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God. Coming and taking courage, he went into 
some of you pronounce it as uh, Pilate, Pontius Pilate. I like to pronounce it as Pilate, like, you know, Pilates. To Pilate or Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he bought fine linen. Joseph took him down and wrapped him in the linen and he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock, carved out of the rock, and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, observed where he was laid. Before we continue reading Mark chapter 16, even as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection today, there cannot be a resurrection if there was no cross. You know, and, 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 and Jesus died a very painful death, a death that we should have died. He died on the cross absorbing our sin, absorbing our mistake, absorbing every wrong thing we have done, past, present, and future. You will be asking, how can one man's death be so powerful? Friends, this is the twist here. He wasn't just a man. He was God who came in the flesh. And because it's God, and God is worth more than all of creation combined. You know, God is the source of all existence. And, and when the Son of God took it all, and when He died, you know, a, a, a ripple effect caused through all creation. And we know for a fact that Jesus died because even the Bible, in its dedication to the truth, put that there were expert witnesses there. You might be thinking, what expert witnesses? Expert witness number one, the centurion. This wasn't just a normal bodyguard. This was a Roman centurion. Uh, this was a war captain. This was somebody who had fought battles and somebody who probably taken lives before. Somebody who knows what a dead body looks like. You know, someone who's seen many executions, many crucifixions, and in despite all that he has seen, he saw something different. The way Jesus embraced death, there was something different about him. There was a power, there was a confidence, there was something holy, you know, that just happened and even him by all accounts, he says he's a centurion, implying that he was Roman, implying that he's not a believer. Even a non-believer could see from the way Jesus died that truly this is no mere mortal. This is the Son of God. And not only that, there was a second expert witness, Joseph of Arimathea. He said he was a prominent council member. Back then, Israel was ruled, you know, by a council. Another word to help us understand that is like a parliament. It was like a parliament that was made out of noblemen, including uh, priests and religious teachers. And Joseph of Arimathea was somebody like a, like a famous rabbi, a famous pastor, a famous teacher of God's word in that time, who was secretly, he says, secretly a follower of Jesus. And part of his role uh, as a man of God was to also help perform burial rites. So this was also somebody that was very used to cadavers. This was someone who was very used to knowing, you know, uh, how a dead body uh, is so that he also is somebody who knows, you know, uh, how to make sure that they don't accidentally bury someone who's alive. And so, you know, all of this was to say that Jesus truly, truly died. And if that wasn't enough, there were accounts, there were eyewitnesses of many women 
Some were named and many were unnamed. And so you have the very solid proof that Jesus indeed died. And so even if you don't take the, the, the witnessing of the women, and we will go into why in a while, uh, you can definitely believe somebody who is a Roman centurion who has nothing to gain from this affair. And you have even somebody, a rabbi, who at that time had everything to lose because he was a prominent council member. If, if, if he, uh, uh, you know, and, and the, the, the consensus at that time was that Jesus was just a man. And so for him to, to kind of like come out of his way to say otherwise, uh, you know, to, to tell a lie, it will mean him risking his reputation, him risking losing all of his, uh, uh, you know, uh, influence and even uh, access to finance and power, etc. So he had everything to lose if he told a lie, which means that it can only be the truth. But that's not it. How many are glad that Jesus didn't stay dead? You know, it's verified that he's, he really died, but he didn't stay dead. We rejoice that he rose again. But don't take my word for it. Let's, let's look to the Word of God. Mark chapter 16, verse 1 to 7, describes the resurrection like this. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Now why did they bring spices? It was because earlier on it said that by the time Jesus died, it was very near sundown. And ancient Jews would practice, in fact, people who still practice Judaism uh, they have a Sabbath that starts on Friday sundown and it ends on Saturday sundown. And so anything that you needed to do, you got to do it quick in that short window of time. And so Jesus was hastily buried and there was probably no time to put spices in. And so the women said that, you know what, the least we could do is come and, 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 and you know, show our last act of love. And so the women were going, in fact, you know, the Bible clearly says that they went without no agenda. They were not going there to try to create a story. In fact, they were going there uh, in preparation to meet a dead body, to just spread some spices over it, just as a last sign of love and respect. But what they found was so much further than that. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen and they said among themselves, oh, wait a second, we were so busy buying all the spices, we forgot to... who will roll away. You know, who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? And this wasn't just any ordinary stone. Uh, use your imagination or if, if you have a chance to look up, uh, it, 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 it was... A little, there will be a little uh, uh, a ramp on the incline and a huge stone. <laughs> the moment the tomb is used, it will almost be like a door stopper or a stone stopper will be removed and the stone will roll down the ramp and lock into place. And so the women were like, oh gosh, we were so busy mourning. We was, who, 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 oh man. If, oh, and, and just as they were thinking that their attempts were going to be a futile effort, God comes along. Amen? How many of you are glad that every time we think that, no, that's it, no more hope for me, God comes along. Amen? You know, if you've ever had God come along when you felt like you had no more hope, whenever you had God come along when you thought that this was the day end, you know, come on, give God a big shout of praise. Amen? Yeah. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. 
And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, but he is risen. Amen? Come on, God is risen. Come on, let's give God a big clap offering. And the good news is this, he is not here. But feel free, come in. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he has said to you. Amen. God bless the, the, the reading of his word. What we have here is a very honest gospel account of what happened. Why do I say honest? Because you couldn't make it up. Because the truth is this, if you wanted to make it up, you would not write it this way. There were at least two reasons why you would not write it this way. Because in the first century, in ancient times, women were not seen as credible witnesses. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. No, all, the, all the women in the, the house don't, don't hate me. I'm just telling you history. I'm all for women empowerment, you know, equal rights and all that. But at that time, that wasn't the case. At that time, men were seen as important and women as secondary. In fact, at that time, uh, uh, such was the burden of, of having a daughter that some people from pagan societies, they would commit infanticide. They would, they would, when they find out that it's a daughter, the father, many times in, in Roman civilization, would take the daughter out and drown it in the nearby river. Because they thought that, you know, this is pointless. A, a, a daughter is only cost, we're only having to feed her and give her away. She can bring nothing, she cannot carry on the family name. We want sons, we want sons, we want sons. And so, if you were to make it up, you would not put the witnesses as women. You would say that, and the mighty faithful disciples of Jesus came, all 11 of them. And they, you know, and they, 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 they sat there, they never left Jesus, never for a second. No, no, no. Instead, over here, it's implied that all the men ran away. Did you see, if I wanted to, in, in, a, in, a, in a patriarchal society when, where, where, where the Jesus movement started in ancient Israel, uh, if I wanted to cook up a story, I would have cooked up that the men were there because the men were credible. But instead, it says the women were there. You know why? Because it's the truth. Because it's the truth. The women were there. The men were running away. And the women were the first to witness. So that is why the Bible is so committed to being honest that it cannot simply fib or, or edit this inconvenient truth out. Even though it's inconvenient to the people at the time, it is the truth. The second thing is this. We know that the Jesus movement eventually spread, you know, uh, all over the world. Today, we call it Christianity. Today, we call ourselves Christians. In the early days, they just called themselves followers of Jesus, followers of Christ. But the earliest Christian community were Jewish. And the thing is this. The very idea that Jewish people who grew up in a religious system that forbade the worship of idols, they would be the last people on planet Earth to say that we now worship a man as God. Do you understand that? 
And so for them to say that, you know what? If I were to say that this man, this, 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 to some, you call him a carpenter. To some, he was just a miracle worker. For us, we see him as the son. Do you know that the very statement of that will cause them to be stoned to death, will cause them to be hated, will cause them to be kicked out. They will lose their jobs. Their families will cut off ties from them. In fact, you don't have to even... Uh, uh, Go back with your mental imagination that far. Even in today, some of the strictest Jewish sects, the, you know, just them saying that I don't want to believe anymore. Do you know what happens in, in modern day, modern day 2023? The whole community kicks them out. The Orthodox Jewish people would kick their own son out of the entire neighborhood, not their house, the entire neighborhood. You know, some of us who grew up in a more Asian upbringing, our parents sometimes threaten us, if you, if you, if you don't like this, you can sleep outside, right? right? But can you imagine growing up in a community where it's like, if you don't like this, you, you don't even get to sleep outside because even the streets don't belong to you. <laughs> the streets belong to our community. You can sleep in an entire different postcode. And so these people had everything they, they, they had, their lives were at stake, their money was at stake, their family was at stake, everything was at stake. And yet, we know that eventually they live a very sacrificial life, preaching the gospel throughout the four corners of the world. That's why even for us, a lot of us, we come from Asia, even the gospel reached Asia because there were people who spread it and spread it and spread it and spread it. Why? Because of the simple truth. It must have really happened. Jesus must have really rose from the grave. The miracles really did happen. And, and, and it, it, it was such powerful truth that they cannot deny it and they were willing to die for it. You know, all the, the, the disciples, all of them died, you know, for the faith. You know, this was, this was not some weird pyramid scheme. If it was a pyramid scheme, it would be the worst. Can you imagine Jesus preaching them pyramid scheme, you know? So, so I'm going to set up this religion, okay? And they go like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sounds good, sounds good. If you, if, you, if you cook up something, we can profit from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except that none of you will profit. Huh? Yeah, yeah. In fact, all of you will die. All your family will hate you. The whole city will hate you. And all of you will die. Especially you, Peter. You will die. And can you imagine all of them go like, oh, sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Let's, no, 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 no. They were not mad men. They were people who saw the truth for what it was. That God came in the form of a man. His name is Jesus. He died on the cross for us and He rose again. Yeah. Amen. This is such a powerful thing that, friends, like I said earlier on, it changes everything. Jesus' sacrifice didn't just grant us forgiveness from God, but it created a new beginning. And just like over Good Friday Homes, we learned that sin, evil, has a ripple effect, has a polluting effect. I want you to know that salvation has a healing effect. And what Jesus accomplished on the cross, friends. You see, sometimes, you know, my, my, I get discouraged when I see Christians who, who only see Jesus from a spiritual point of view. Oh, it's good. Okay, Jesus died. Okay, this is my little own personal faith. No, 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 no. If it's really God who died for your sins, then this faith cannot be contained. This faith cannot help but begin to spread out and change everything it 
touches. And I'm here to remind us at least three areas uh, that God has completely transformed. And I hope that this speaks to you. I hope that this ministers to you. And the, the, the first thing, the first thing that, that Jesus changed was, was the way uh, society functions. Uh, because how many know that Jesus' resurrection wasn't just Him coming out of the tomb. Uh, it was also a new beginning. It was also the start, the officiation of His kingdom. His coronation, if you would uh, like to use that word. And, and, and in that coronation, He's saying that from today onwards, there's a new kingdom. Today onwards, it's under new management. Today onwards, there's a new promise. Today onwards, there's a new way of looking at life and doing life and the first thing that God changed was that He gave hope for the lowly. Point number one, hope for the lowly. This was a big deal. Like I said, in the society of that time because women were chosen by God, graced by God, privileged by God to be the first witnesses of the empty tomb. It wasn't men who saw it. It was women. And it wasn't just because Jesus said, oh, no, I really wanted the man, but the men were all chicken, you know, so I guess I have no choice but use the women. No, 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 no. God is a genius. He in, he's intentional. And He intentionally made it so. Why? Because even in the choosing of His first witnesses, it was a statement. Society calls you low. I call you precious. This act of resurrection didn't just restore things spiritually. It started to change the community they live in upside down. And Jesus' work on the cross began to ripple out. And women who were living in a society where they had no rights, women who were living in a society where they were perceived as inferior, now God says that, hey, no longer do I call you inferior. In fact, I've never called you inferior. It was the world that called you inferior. But I want you to know that in the new world, in this new kingdom where I rule and reign, you are not inferior. You know, uh, the, the society might think that you have no worth, but I say that you are worth a lot. Society says that you're not credible. I say you are very credible. So credible that I give you the opportunity and the privilege to be my witnesses. And this was a game changer, friends. You know, of course, you know, we, 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 we sometimes forget that because we live in a modern society. But friends, I want you to know, the very fact that we even have what we enjoy today, you know, uh, 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 you know the, the equal treatment of genders and so forth was because of what Jesus started on the cross. Amen. And, 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 and this is not just for the women in church because this spoke specifically to the women at the time, but how many know that you don't have to, in the world that we live in today, you don't have to be a woman to feel low. And this is God saying that to whoever who hears His voice, if you ever felt like you're not good enough, God says you're good enough. If you ever felt like everybody has looked down at you, and I don't know who this is for, but I believe there is for somebody here because maybe it's for some of us here who are students. And then you're coming into university and you have all these big dreams. But then life has a way of 
I don't know, humbling you and you realize that, you know what, I thought I was something. I realize that I'm nothing. I'm now not even sure if I should be doing the course I'm doing. I'm not even sure of my degree anymore. I'm not even sure if I'm in the right university anymore. I'm not even sure if I'm in the right country anymore because when I come here, I feel like an outsider. I thought university would be my opportunity to meet new friends and create new dreams, but everything in my life right now just feels like a nightmare. I'm an outcast. I don't belong. I feel judged. People judge me for my skin colour. People judge me for my accent. People judge me for where I come from, where I study, the post-school I live in. Friends, if that's you, I got good news for you. That might be how the world makes you feel, but that's not how God looks at you. And God is saying that I don't care about your background, I can use you. I don't care if nobody believes in you, He believes in you. I don't care if you felt like, you know, giving up. God says that He will not give up because the cross gives hope for the lowly. And I'm not sure who needs this, but I believe that someone here needs to know that. You felt so low, you felt like giving up. God forbid you even feel like ending everything. Because that's what we do when we are low. And God says that, no, no, not on my watch, not in my reign, not in my kingdom. The world might reject you, but the world doesn't have the final say. You might have some setback, but your setbacks don't have the final say. Jesus has the final say. And in His death and resurrection, even the lowest among us here, God can use you. So don't look down at yourself. Because sometimes, you know, maybe you're here and you feel like, you know what, just even me professing to be a Christian, I feel like immediately all my friends left me. I feel like, and, and we live in a modern Western civilization that seems to look down at people with faith and you feel so low. In fact, you might feel like, I think it's more convenient if I just don't talk about faith because if I even mention that I believe in Jesus, people look at me like I'm an idiot, like, like I'm a pariah, like I'm nothing. And God says that even if they do that, He can still use you. He can use you despite your lowliness, and He will use you because of your lowly nature, because He gets all the glory. Amen? So hope for the lowly, point number one. But it wasn't just societal change that happens. It was also emotional change, because the death and resurrection of Jesus gave hope for the broken. Point number two, hope for the broken. When Jesus died, He paid the price. You know, I used to study law. Um, in fact, my wife is still a lawyer. And in law, you know that when there is a punishment, when there's a crime, then it's a punishment. And until that punishment is fully meted out, there can be no freedom. And what Jesus did was that He took it all. Just like how a man who was sentenced, let's say, if you're sentenced to 10 years in prison, until you serve the full 10 years, you cannot escape. But once you serve your full 10 years, the prison cannot hold you back. And when Jesus died on the cross, and He was buried for three days, after the three days was over, it was as if the, all of the penalty of the whole of mankind was paid in full. 
And that's why the tomb couldn't even hold him back. The stone had to be rolled away and Jesus had to walk out, not only having freedom for himself, but freedom for all of us. And that freedom isn't just a freedom for us to access God, but it created a new environment, freedom for God to access us. And you can see this very beautiful picture earlier on. You already saw the hint that God tore the veil. And it wasn't man who tore it from the bottom, it was God who tore it from the top down. But not only that, what did Jesus do after he rose again? Did he he sit there and shake his leg? Did he sit there and, 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 and do a superhero pose and go like, now worship me, see how powerful I am? No, 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 no. He immediately got going. Got going where? Let's, let's read Mark 16, verse 7 again. Or just Mark 16, it says here. The, 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 he was, Jesus rose, and now there is a new atmosphere. Now sin doesn't have a power. When God walks the earth, no longer do we disintegrate and die in His presence. Now God can meet us face to face. And guess what? Jesus immediately got busy. So busy that He's like, hey, angel, uh, stand here and help me to pass on a message. Because sticky notes were not invented yet. So angel, stand here. Alright? I gotta get busy. What was he getting busy? He says that he, says that, that he is going before you into Galilee. That's in other words, the Jesus said, oh, he's already on his way. Tell disciples, he's already on his way. Tell disciples, he started walking. Tell disciples that he's almost there. Tell disciples that he's going to meet there because God's already getting busy establishing his new kingdom. And, and who was Jesus walking towards? Was he walking towards mighty men? Was he walking towards brave men? No, no. He was walking towards broken men. And the Bible was not afraid to share that because it says there, tell my disciples. Tell the woman to tell my disciples. And Peter. <laughs> and Peter. Now we look at that singling out and go like, oh, Peter, what did you do? And those of us who are familiar with the gospel story will know that Peter, a strong believer in Jesus, Someone's very close to Jesus, told Jesus before he was crucified, I will not leave you. Never. Never, 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 ever, 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 ever. But before the chicken crowed three times, he denied Christ three times. And what Jesus was trying to do, he wasn't singling out Peter to go like and tell that Peter. It wasn't like this. And that Peter. Hmm. He's going to get hurt real bad when I get regaled. No, 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 no. no. He's saying that and tell the most broken that I'm coming. Because Peter denied Christ and sometimes we forget that these men left everything. They left their families. They left their businesses. How many of you here will quit your job for Jesus? Don't raise your hand because I know not a lot of hands will be raised. (laughs) Let's be honest. But these men, it's easy for us to look look at, ah, Peter, no, no, no. But these men left. Jesus called them and they left their families. They left their livelihoods. They left their fishing boats. They left their lucrative trade. In fact, some of them were even tax collectors. And the Bible says that they just left. They even left the taxes they were collected. I wonder what's going to happen to that guy. You know, would the Roman soldiers come knocking on his family door and go like, um, your husband just left work. 
Is he at home? No, he's not. Where is he? He's following this person, this rabbi we think he is, even though we didn't see any of his qualifications, the son of a carpenter, and they're doing ministry in the countryside. You mean your husband left working for the empire of Rome, the most powerful empire, superpower of that day? It, 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 can you think about it? I don't know what's a big brand name in, in, in your industry today. Maybe for some of you, in electronics is like, you left your job in Dyson? No, no, he didn't left. He just left. He didn't even tender his resignation. He just went out for lunch and didn't come back. His laptop is still there. All his documents are spread about. In fact, this is a real breach of data. But this guy doesn't care anymore. And they left everything to follow Jesus. But when Jesus died on the cross, we forget that it was traumatic for the men. And so these were men of faith, but then they became broken men. Men with broken spirit. Men who, like maybe Peter, felt like he broke a promise to God. Men who maybe felt like that God, God broke their trust. God, Jesus, I thought you're going to usher in your, your kingdom. How come you died? And it wasn't Jesus that lied. They just didn't understand the full extent of what Jesus was trying to do. But it doesn't change the fact that Jesus' first agenda was to go to minister to the brokenhearted. And so, I'm not sure who here, you're at a broken place. Maybe you feel like your faith is at a broken place. Maybe you feel like, my faith is so fractured. I'm so divided. I feel like I'm always making one step closer to God and then two steps back. And then one step closer to God and then three steps back. I'm so broken. I broke so many promises to God. No way He's going to accept me. No way He's going to use me. You know, maybe even I've, I've uh, you know, one time I, I, I served and I followed the Lord, but, but maybe something that you were praying for didn't happen the way you imagined to be and you, you felt broken. You felt like you're not even sure if you can trust this Jesus anymore. And friends, I want you to know that God wants to heal you. See, God, when He rose again, He didn't command people to come and worship Him. No, He immediately got busy and He went to minister to the most broken in society, to His closest friend. And so friends, if you're seated here and you feel broken, maybe you look very okay on the outside, but you feel broken emotionally, you feel broken spiritually, you feel, I don't know, whatever it is, I want you to know that there's hope. And not just any hope, resurrection hope. Because the way the world wants us to deal with trauma is to revisit it. Oh, tell me about your past. I already told you it's very abusive. But tell me how you feel about your father. I hate him. Tell me more. And it's destructive. It's scary. And the world seems to preach the gospel of closure. Oh, you need closure, sister. You need closure from your ex-wife. You need closure. But you know what? Jesus says, I have something better. You don't need to close. You don't need to revisit. I can just resurrect you. If you feel that you have a heart that is broken, I can just give you a new heart. I don't even need to mend your heart back together. I can give you a new heart. If you feel like, like, like you know, God can't use you, you say, God, how can you use I, I have, I have just, you know, wasted my life. God says, the resurrection power is that I can give you a new life. There's hope for the broken, friends. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. There's hope for our friends. Point number three is this. Hope for the future. Hope for the future. Some of you might be saying, 
sitting here going like, ah, oh, okay, no, okay, this is a nice little encouraging message and for those that are lowly, but you know, Pastor, I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty okay. I'm pretty confident by myself. I'm doing okay. I'm on track. You know, my studies are going well. And, uh, you know, I'm okay. You know, I'm fine. I'm not broken. And sometimes that's the most dangerous place to be. Because sometimes what we end up is that we end up allowing the things that are going well in our lives to define us. And some of us here, we are now more defined, not as a believer in Jesus Christ, but we're now more defined, we're more motivated by your wealth. And, and today you identify yourself as a young adult who's made it in London more than a believer in Jesus Christ. And your hope is no longer in His kingdom and the fullness that the gospel brings and the purpose of the gospel. Now your purpose is more of like, oh, I'm a lawyer who made it in the UK. I'm an engineer or I'm, a, I'm on track to, I don't know, buy my first property. You know, do you know what I'm saying? And a lot of us, we have allowed, we have put our hope in this world. And we have put our hope in, in the material things of this world. But Jesus is saying that I promise you an even better future. Jesus' resurrection is Him saying that, you know what? This life is not it. If this life is it, it just leads to death. When Jesus conquered the death, He said there's life after death. And, and not some sort of spiritual existence. You see, every other faith in the world tells you, do this, pray that, abstain from this, you know, believe in this, meditate like this, and then you will leave the material world and you will ascend. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says that I've come to restore. I've come to heal. I've come to regenerate. I've come to resurrect. I love the material world. In fact, I don't have time to turn to it, but, but homework, you go back and read Revelation chapter 21. A lot of us, we think that, oh, when I believe in Jesus, I die and we spend all eternity in heaven. Maybe I'll, like this angel, long white garment, I'll strum a harp. Maybe Sam will strum the harp. I'll, I'll find a triangle to play or something like that. But, but that's not Jesus' picture. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in Revelation 21, chapter 21 that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And this new heaven and this new earth will be combined. They will intersect. And what we don't realize is that when Jesus rose from the grave, He started to make it happen. Who did the women bump into at the tomb? An ordinary man? An angel. Do you see? Jesus said, new management, new beginning, Heaven and earth begin to intersect. Angels are starting to appear in our midst. God is not floating. God is walking. And walking, a walking Jesus, walking His way to Galilee, travelling His way to Galilee implies that if this, in this lifetime, if you were once broken, because how did Jesus die? He died crucified. He died with whip on his back. He died with nails pierced into his hands and nails pierced into his feet. How many know that if I knock some nails into your legs, the last thing you'll be doing is walking? And yet Jesus now resurrected, he's walking. What is that? See, sometimes you read it and go, oh, he's just walking, okay, he's on his way, okay. No, 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 it symbolizes restoration. What we were unable to do in this lifetime, he will restore and, and, and bring healing. 
And so those, even if, if you know, we, we don't have anyone who's crippled here, but even if, if there are people who's crippled, you can be crippled in this lifetime, but God says that, but this lifetime is not it. There is a hope for the future. My resurrection is, is proof of that. My resurrection is a sneak peek of what I will one day do. One day, heaven and earth combined. Man, angels, man, and the supernatural will be talking, fellowshipping for all of eternity. So all of your suffering in this lifetime, all of your setbacks in this lifetime, all of your disappointments in this lifetime is but a not fraction of a nanosecond compared to eternity. And eternity is far more glorious, far more beautiful. And why is this important? Because a lot of us, the good news of the resurrection is good news that we cannot just compartmentalize and say, this is my personal faith. It is something that we cannot help but, but, but pour out of our lips. And, and, and this is not something outrageous. We do this all the time. People who freshly got engaged cannot help but show off the ring. And, and sometimes you have friends who you wish can you stop showing off so much? Because it's irritating. Because they're not even engaged and they're showing off on the internet. Oh, one month anniversary, two month anniversary, and you'd be like, get lost anniversary, you know? <laughs> and then why? Because they cannot help. Oh, this little earthly love for one month. God's loved you for 2,000 years. God's loved you longer than that even. And how come we, we feel like we can't share? Some people now, they don't just have a, oh, congratulations, I'm pregnant. They have a gender reveal party. Let's shoot up this rocket and if it explodes with a pink cloud of smoke, oh, we're having a girl. And, and then how, how come, you see what I'm We know how to share good news. And, and why is it that we do not see the good news of Jesus as a hope that we can build and stake our entire life around? Instead, we're focusing on getting rich and richer. We're focusing on getting into relationships because we think that that completes us. No, Jesus completes us. And even if nobody completes you, and friends, I want to be on record, there's nothing wrong with being single. Nothing wrong. You're not handicapped. You're not ugly. You're fantastic. You don't need another person to complete you because Jesus completes you. And Jesus was single, so you're in the best company. And Jesus is living proof that you can live a very full life without an engagement ring, without a wedding ring. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's encouraging to say that even if in this life you feel lonely, because that's a real challenge. But Jesus is saying that, but this life is not it. There's hope for the future. Oh, you're going to spend eternity surrounded by friends. You're going to spend eternity, you know, just... and. This is so important because a lot of us, we put our hope in money, we put our hope in stocks. But the Bible says, do not build up treasure for yourself that, that rust and moth can destroy. Instead, lay up yourself treasures in heaven. There will be treasures in heaven for you. There will be eating and drinking in heaven for you because there will be an eternity. There will be traveling. So even if you feel like, oh no, I, you know, is it worth it? I've given my whole life to live for the gospel. I, you know, I've been living in, in the UK, in Europe for the last eight years and, and I hardly even got to see Europe. Friends, it's okay. There's going to be a new Europe. Just like how there'll be a new earth for all of eternity. They'll be traveling. We can all travel together. We can travel, not just new earth, but we'll go even to new heaven. And what God is saying that I will not shortchange you. I give you hope for the future so you can live for me in this lifetime. To summarize, because I'm running out of time, 
if, if you can understand this, it means this. God is saying that the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus gives us hope for the future, hope that lasts into eternity. In short, God has blessed you with life and life to the full at least two lifetimes. One, if you will be willing to honour Him. One, to enjoy. Heaven is for your enjoyment. To enjoy the presence of God. To enjoy each other's company. Sometimes I joke with Pastor Cat. You know, I say, oh, I hope you're okay with getting married to me. But if you don't like it, it's until death do us part. <laughs> or Jesus coming back. Uh, it's okay, you have all of eternity to hang out with people that you want to hang out with. We have all of eternity to enjoy. We have all of eternity to celebrate. We have all of eternity to eat. We have all of eternity to travel. We have all of eternity to, I don't know. So spend this lifetime with eyes focused on the hope that's in Jesus. Not your job, not your relationship, not money, not all these other things. It's not worth it. Only Jesus is worth it. There will be a better life with Jesus forevermore. That is the hope that we have. And, and, and if that means sacrificing this lifetime, it's worth it. If it means standing up for Jesus and having my friends ostracize me, it's worth it. If it means, you know, giving up stuff, it's worth it because we have a hope for the future. Amen? And I hope that this helps you to see the resurrection as, as a far more bigger deal. This is not just something that we remember once a year, but this is something that, that, that is changing the world even until today. And let's continue to be part of God's plan to bring change. For the lowly, be encouraged. God wants to use you. And on the flip side, let us now, if Jesus was so mindful of the lowly, let us now be mindful of the lowly. That's why in the early church, the early church grew because they constantly ministered to the poor. Why? Because they understood that God sees the lowly things of the world as precious, so we ought to. And so as believers who have hope in the resurrection, don't just have hope for your own salvation, now have hope to love your fellow men and to look out for those that are less than you. This hope is not just hope that we can access God, but this is hope that God can access us. The thing that Jesus says that, tell them I'm going to meet with them in Galilee like I told them. That was a promise. God says, I'll meet you at where you're at. And friends, you don't need to hide anymore. You don't need to be perfect anymore. You can come to God with your brokenness. And all you need to do is say, Jesus, would you meet me? Like how you met with the broken in Galilee, would you meet me here now? And last but not least, may the reality of the resurrection reframe how we look at our jobs, how we look at wealth, how we look at relationships, how we look at time. So don't say that, ah, i got no time. You know, I... In fact, one last challenge. I know I went a little bit over time, but one last challenge if you're... Just, just Easter, okay? Just, just, just bear with Jesus a little bit longer on Easter. God's not against you having a bucket list. But God just thinks that your bucket list is too narrow. 
Some of us, our bucket list is millionaire. Travel the world. Get married. God says that, why don't you put your hope in me and, and make a better bucket list? Why don't you put in your bucket list leading my friend to Jesus? Why don't you put on your bucket list going to missions? Why don't you put your bucket list as praying for my friend and seeing them get healed and get well? Why don't you see on your bucket list, you know, standing up and, and, and making a difference? Do you, do you get what I'm getting at, friends? A lot of us, we put our hope in travel and we let fear, especially the fear of missing out, rule our lives. But God is saying, no, let hope rule your life. He's here to give you life and life to the full. Even if you dedicate your entire life in this lifetime to honour Him, even if it means, God, to follow you, I'm going to give up this job. To follow you, I'm going to give up this relationship. Friends, I'm trying to tell you that it will be worth it because in Jesus, we have hope for the future. Let's pray. God, I thank you that the cross and the resurrection is so much more than just religion. It is radical. It changes. It, 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 it renews reality. And God, thank you for helping us to see the big picture again today. And so God, before I close, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters here who maybe are at a very low place. And maybe there's some of you here Due to different life circumstances, you feel so defeated. You feel so broken. You feel so low. You feel you don't belong. Friends, I want you to know that you're at the right place. And what you need is not more friends. What you need is more, not more popularity. What you need is Jesus. Only in Jesus can the lowly find their worth. Only in Jesus can the broken be made whole. Only in Jesus can the dead come back to life again. Only in Jesus, can there be resurrection? So God, I pray, resurrect us, Lord. Resurrect us, Lord. Give us a new heart. Give us a new life. Give us a new way of looking at ourselves through your eyes. Lord, let the power of resurrection flow into our lives. If that's you, friends, I want you to know God loves you. You might feel like you've been struck down, but I'm here to tell you, you're not destroyed. You might feel like you've been persecuted, but I want you to know you are not abandoned. God loves you. The cross is on your side. Resurrection is on your side. Would you ask God to recreate? Would you ask God to rebuild? If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.